wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday evening. I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. As always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I'm still with everything that's going on in the world. I hope you guys are staying as safe as possible. Good stuff. Um, of course, um, I just found out some news from my neck of the woods here in New Jersey that Governor Murphy was planning on uh, opening up indoor dining. Um, unfortunately, uh, due to numbers that are spiking in circumstances across the country, unfortunately, Murphy has now pretty much fallen back on opening up indoor dining. Um, I know he was, I don't know what's what capacity he's probably going to do it, probably around 25% capacity, I'm not even sure. Um, unfortunately, now he has uh, fallen back on that and said he is going to wait um, a little bit longer to have indoor dining in the state of New Jersey. Um, so that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Hopefully, Florida, of course, Texas, um, Florida, California, uh, closing down bars yet again due to this uh, quote-unquote second wave, and I'm putting that huge big time in air quotes, uh, a lot of the states have fallen back into back to square one. Um, other than that, I hope you guys are staying safe and uh, trying to maintain a positive attitude throughout this whole situation, um, especially with all the news that came out this weekend. Um, please do stay safe and make sure you're taking care of your families as best you possibly can. Other than that, y'all, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast on, of course, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective, anchor.fm slash Virtual Addict Radio, and all the other um, platforms that we do carry this episode of the podcast on. I'll talk about those at the end of today's episode. 
course, before we get into any of the news of the weekend from episode two and a quarter um, of the YLB podcast, I wanted to let you guys know that today and tomorrow are the last two days of Pride Month. That being said, the last two days of the Pride Collection um, for Wrestle Addict Radio. This is the last two days. Um, again, of course, all the proceeds going to the Trevor Project, which uh, specializes in crisis intervention for the LGBTQI community. And we do appreciate the Trevor Project for supporting us in our movement with this Pride Collection. Much love to y'all out there in the Trevor Project. And so let's get into all of the news that's fit for me to talk about. And let's begin this brand new episode of News of the Weekend. This seems like Wi-Fi proper is done for it. My Wi-Fi is not very good today. Alright, here we go. So, I know I have stated last week that um, I was no longer going to be talking about the Smoothie Out movement. I know if you checked out episode 200 of the KOTR podcast, you've heard their opinions of well. And of course, the HBIC herself, Kate Murphy. Obviously, they all have been there, I'm sure. Um, the Ginger Boys, Nate and Fretzy, uh, talked about them. I'm sure Mance uh, talked about it, a little about it as well. If you've not checked out those episodes, please do and support the Wrestle Act Radio movement. But there was one last piece of information that I wanted to get across to you guys just in case you weren't checking, uh, keeping an eye on it. Um, so this is where we're going to start today's episode. I have 14, I believe I have four, 13 or 14 episodes, oh, not episodes, um, articles on the docket to talk about today. I really wanted to make sure this was a good episode to talk about and a lot of news coming down the pike. I got news on King Baron Corbin, who we affectionately call everyone's favorite uh, GM of Applebee's. Baron Corbin reportedly upset over Matt Riddle plans. I got news also on Maria Kanellis and who was supposed to be the actual father of her child. I also have news on uh, why AEW Dark is having so many matches on their episodes, as well as uh, Eric Bischoff talking about uh, TNT reaction to Dennis Rodman skipping Bulls practice for Nitro. Um, I got news on Velveteen Dreams WWE status. Uh, news on Kane. I got news on The Rock and who he thinks is the GOAT in professional wrestling. Um, the reason why WWE Backstage was canceled by FS1 and much, much more we'll be talking about on today's episode. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. I actually got 12 in the docket. My apologies. So we'll start with the, with six. And we'll end on six, and we'll go from there. So let's begin the news of the weekend. From Patch.com in the Philadelphia area, abuse allegations lead to shutdown of pro wrestling group. Allegations of sexual abuse as well as racist and homophobic remarks prompted the founder of Chikara, to shut down operations this week. This is written by Tim Jensen from Saturday. A week filled with turmoil on the independent professional wrestling scene continued to generate negative publicity Wednesday when the founder of Chikara, one of the country's longest-running independent organizations, discontinued the Philadelphia-based promotion in the wake of abuse allegations. 
Michael Spillani, known professionally as Mike Quackenbush, announced his decision to end Chikara, as well as resigning as head trainer of its school, the Wrestle Factory, on Twitter Wednesday, after many of the promotion's top performers announced they were separating themselves from the promotion following accusations of sexual abuse, as well as racist and homophobic comments. Some of the allegations involve Quackenbush himself. And this is actually a quote from Mike Quackenbush's Twitter. And I quote, I have been made aware of recent allegations about myself and people in my employ. I take all allegations seriously, whether they are about me or members of my team. Addressing these with openness and transparency is of the utmost importance to me, so these matters can be given the proper time and attention. I am discontinuing Chikara and resigning as head trainer at the Wrestle Factory. I'll make a full statement on these matters in the near future, end quote. As part of the Speaking Out movement, a number of performers and trainees came forward in recent weeks with allegations of misconduct against Quackenbush and several top stars of Chikara, including Icarus and Cobalt. And this is from um, Wiggy. Quote, I keep seeing Speaking Out posts with stories about teenage girls where the girls are being accused of instigating their incidents. Well, I was a teenage girl. I thought I was incredibly mature and knew everything and an older hot guy paying attention to me was the greatest. Um, do I want to continue this? Yeah, we'll continue reading it. I have already started. To me, was the greatest. Okay. Uh, Kimberly actually came out and said, quote, I feel like it's my fault. I feel like I was used to give women hope and make, to make Chikara look like a safe place. I'm just disgusted. Going to be thinking long and hard about the rest of my future today. I love you all. End quote. Dasher Hatfield says, quote, I've dedicated my entire wrestling career to Chikara. Once upon a time, it created magic. I truly believe that. At this point, I'm embarrassed. I feel let down. My heart is smashed. I'm extremely sorry for those hurt. I still believe wrestling has the power to cure, man. I hope I'm right. End quote. Hollow Wicked comes out saying, Effective immediately, I am resigning from Chikara and the Wrestle Factory. While I do not believe any of the allegations levied are against me personally, I cannot in good conscience continue my association with the group. End quote. And then um, Claw Hoss, the Hermit Crab, states that I quote, This is very difficult. Spending almost six years there, giving, it, giving everything to it. Effective immediately, Hermit Crab is leaving Chikara. Can't continue to work there under good conscience, end quote. The article goes on to say, many of the top, many top wrestling federations have had talent come under fire this month, including World Wrestling Entertainment, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, and Ring of Honor. Accusations range from sexual misconduct and sending inappropriate text messages to underage girls to physical abuse and degradation of talent and trainees. Chikara was founded in 2002 by Quackenbush and fellow independent star Thomas Carter, known by the ring name Reckless Youth. Over the years, a stellar number of big names have performed for the promotion, including CM Punk, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, John Moxley, The One Man Gang, Jushin Thunder Liger, Matt Riddle, Tito Santana, and Mickey James. And that sucks. Chikara is a promotion I do know about quite well, uh, mainly for Kimberly, uh, becoming the first female Chikara Grand Champion, and I believe the only still grand champion in the company's history. Um, it does suck that they are closing their doors and that Quackenbush is uh, resigning as head trainer of the Wrestle Factory. Now, I'm not, I didn't really hear anything in terms of uh, allegations about him, per se, and I hadn't really talked about it on the podcast, and I didn't really go into 
uh, researching if there were any allegations on him. But it does suck that now, this is the second promotion I've heard that's closing its doors for good due to allegations of sexual misconduct and the like. Now, we did talk about briefly uh, about a week or so ago about Bar Wrestling, a uh, promotion led by Joey Ryan closing its doors for good due to the allegations against him. And there were a lot going on with that. So in and of itself, was a justified closing. But, you know, Shikara is a was a solid promotion, one of uh, the more very popular independent wrestling promotions in the nation. Um, a lot of top talent used to go over there. Of course, like they said, Brittle, Punk, Brian, Cesaro, and those and, uh, names like them. Um, so, yeah, Chikaro's gone for good. Pretty much gone, done for good. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the future with... Um, you know, independent wrestling promotions when they when all of this is said and done. You know, how will the uh, professional wrestling landscape look coming out of all of this um, this this whole entire uh, movement here? Let's speak out um, again. You know, it is quite insane how out of just all of the allegations, all that is going on with everything behind it. Of course, you know all the names at this point. I'm not going to bring them up. But it, it is interesting how, you know, we, I'm, I mean, if it was known in the, in the professional wrestling industry, I'm sure that's a whole different story. But fans like us, sometimes we don't know what is going on in the industry. You know, we're not sure of sexual allegations or anything like that, but it, it does really, what's the, I'm trying to say this properly without, you know, going too insane with it, but it does, it is quite crazy how, you know, all of this has been going on underneath our nose and not many of us knowing about it. And it even sucks more for those who were, who were, you know, assaulted, abused, um, you know, not being able to speak out because of the whole, because of so much mental fortitude it would take to speak out. And now all of a sudden, it just comes out of nowhere. One person starts and then the dominoes begin to fall. And a lot of names have been put out there. A lot of names have lawyered up. Um, two men in particular, of course, Legaro and Travis Banks have been released from WWE. Jack Gallagher has been released from WWE. There are rumors of, saying, of hearing NXT UK is going to close their doors due to all these allegations in the British professional wrestling scene and all, all of this stuff. So it does suck, but you know, this is, this is something that, you know, has been widespread and it's just crazy how all this comes about in one foul swoop and a lot of people were involved. Um, of course, I spoke about it in length at last week's episode of News of the Weekend, so I'm not going to go into more of that. Now, of course, I spoke about it um, a couple Fridays ago. Um, for the most part, when all of the news started breaking out on, I believe, episode 220 of the podcast. You can go check that out there. Um, where, I, where I began the show talking about the speaking out movement. And now, you know, promotions are closing their doors Big names are being released from the company. Um, guys are getting suspended indefinitely without pay due to what they've been saying. Um, and I know for a fact that there's a certain amount of decorum that should be taken care of. But still, 
you know, names like Jimmy Havoc and Matt Riddle and Gallagher and Banks and Devlin and Nick Velveteen Dream, and I'll speak about that in just a moment. It's, it's really crazy how all of this has come about. And we don't know the end game. We don't know what the end result is going to be besides the fact that uh, people are getting released from companies. So we, you know, the more we find out, the more we'll speak on it, but Chikars is closed for good. And Matt Quack, Mike Quackenbush has pretty much said, I'm done as head trainer of the Wrestle Factory. Speaking of Velveteen Dream, I know he's under a lot of uh, scrutiny at this very moment. From SEScoops.com, Velveteen Dream's days in WWE could be numbered. There are multiple news items concerning NXT's Velveteen Dream at the moment. From Ian Carey, this is also from Saturday. There are multiple news items concerning NXT's Velveteen Dream at the moment. Dream's last official match in WWE came at the NXT In Your House show where he lost the title match to Adam Cole. According to various reports, it may turn out to have been Dream's last match in the company. Sean Rossett of Fightful and the Matt Men Pro Wrestling Podcast both stated on Twitter that they have heard from sources that Dream's days in WWE could be numbered. Um, from Now, this is from Matt Men uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast on their Twitter. Cool. So, guess we will talk about this. Dream's days in WWE are numbered, was told by two totally separate sources. And Sean Rossap quote tweeted um, this tweet saying, quote, I've been hearing this, as well as some not so wonderful news about him that doesn't have to do with any of the allegations, end quote. It was also reportedly recently involved in a car accident. Uh, Sean Rossap saying, quote, WWE has confirmed to me that Velveteen Dream was in a car accident today and has been released from the hospital. Josh Fuller saying, um, I've been debating releasing this information for months now. With everyone speaking out, I finally feel comfortable in doing it. Part of me is still terrified for disclosing this. Patrick Clark is a groomer and a child predator. I'll post more proof below this tweet. Um, if you want to go check that out, at Josh Fuller PW on Twitter. I'm not going to speak about it on here. That is a heavy allegation right there. Um, one other person stated, quote, I was asked to post some more screenshots from a victim. Don't bother defending Velveteen in my mentions because I'm just going to block and hide your comment. These are a few of many. There's over 70 that haven't been shown, end quote. Um, if you want to check that out, at the Kia print, you can, uh, K-I-A print, if you want to check out those tweets there. She also goes on to say, uh, quote, you're kind of grown to be 15. Come on, Velveteen Kelly. And uh, like I said, if you want to go check that out, you can. Uh, this is rough. Now, I remember we spoke about this uh, many moons back, about um, the allegations of Velveteen Dream speaking with underage girls in the DMs. And I wanted to kind of wait until everything started to come out before I made a conclusion on this. And I'm sure there's a lot going on with that. And if it comes out as legitimate, yeah, Velveteen Dream deserves to be released from the WWE. That's fact. It's crazy how with all this coming out that, you know, is, I mean, I mean, just looking at it, you can, if you want to check those out, they got some receipts on here. And um, 
if those receipts are legitimate, Patrick Clark is in trouble. Big time. Real, like, super big time. Like, that's no joke. It's one thing to, you know, talk to, like, a 27-year-old woman in such manner and all that. But doing that with a 15-year-old girl? Man, oh, man. I mean, this this is, this is going to get serious. This is going to get quite fucking serious for a lot of the talent if these allegations are legitimate. For a lot of these talents. We'll see what everything happens with that. Again, if I have any breaking news on anything, if guys are getting released from the WWE or any other promotions, I will have no problem letting you know about that. Going away from the movement, let's talk about King. And there's got uh, there was a little bit of news on him from eWrestlingNews.com. Kane withdraws from political event due to health issues. From Brandon Ewing, this is from also Saturday. Knoxville, Tennessee mayor and WWE superstar Glenn Jacobs was forced to withdraw from a political event due to health issues. The health issue has not been disclosed at this time, as Kane was supposed to appear at a fundraiser event the Liberty and Lobsters for Eric Brakey. The event, the date for the event was moved to a later time. Here's the official statement on Kane's health. Thankfully, it seems not to not be serious and not related to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, Unfortunately, we must postpone tonight's previously scheduled Liberty and Lobsters event. Our special guest, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, has come down with a health issue. While it is not serious, it does make it impossible for him to attend. A new date for the event will be announced in the coming weeks. Keep you posted regarding the new date and details. Thank you for your continued support, and we hope to see you at an event in the future. Break, uh, sign Breaky for Congress team. Well, at least it's good to know that um, Kane hasn't caught the coronavirus. You know that nothing serious came out of this. It's not as serious as a health issue as that, and. One thing I stress a lot, there's two things in this world that I value most to myself, besides like my family and my friends and all that stuff. My freedom and my health. If I don't have my health, I don't have my freedom. I don't have the freedom to be able to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, with how, however I want to do it, with, you know, whatever I want to do, you know, with whoever I feel like doing it with. So it's always a good thing to ensure that your health is at Close to 100% as possible. Um, I'm glad that it's not uh, COVID-19 related, of course, and that um, it's nothing really too serious to the point where we, it should be of major concern. But hopefully uh, we do wish uh, Glenn Jacobs a speedy recovery and that he gets well for the future and hopes to, hope, and hopes to attend the Liberty and Lobsters event down in Tennessee. Speaking of coronavirus, everything's just flowing together today for some reason. And I think this is one of the big issues. And I saw this and I was like, I have to speak on it. I know you've heard about this a million times, but I kind of wanted to give you my opinion on this. And I did speak about this um, on Saturday a little bit, you know, by saying, you know, WWE is in trouble. From PWmania.com, over 30 WWE talents and staff test positive 
for COVID-19, Renee Young. John Moxley update. This is from the PWmania.com staff from this past Saturday. As PWmania.com previously reported, WWE announcer Renee Young revealed on Twitter earlier this week that she has been diagnosed with COVID-19. She is one of more than 30 talents and staff members in WWE who recently tested positive for the virus. That number reportedly continues to rise. As we reported earlier today, WWE Chairman Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, Triple H, and Mark Carano had not all con- at all not contacted Renee Young as of Thursday evening except to check on her and see how she was doing. It should be noted that numerous other WWE superstars have been in touch with her and have been checking in regularly to see how she's feeling. WWE officials were said to have been upset that Young publicly announced her COVID-19 status. An anonymous WWE talent said earlier this week that talent relations informed them not to speak out at all on their illness and they would issue any statements. For what it's worth, all of WWE's statements have been very brief and few and far between. WWE has also not acknowledged the cases or informed wrestlers and their families on the full extent of the outbreak. As you'd expect, this has frustrated many of them. There are said to be little to no communication in WWE these days. Young began starting to feeling sick on Monday, June 22nd, last Monday, and had a pressure in her chest. She then became bedridden and lost her sense of taste. Moxley and Young were both then tested by a local doctor. The following day at around midnight, they both received the test results. Renee's came back positive, while Moxley's came back negative. Once Renee got word that she had tested positive, she informed WWE officials and was told to stay home. At the same time, Moxley informed WWE AEW officials that his wife had tested positive, but he had not. Moxley told AEW officials that he did not want to potentially risk exposing the AEW locker room to the virus if he had a false positive or if it was in the early stages. He also did not want to leave his wife's side. AEW obviously agreed and told him to stay home. Young took to Twitter on Wednesday, June 24th and revealed that she had tested positive. AEW had announced earlier in the day that AEW World Champion John Moxley had been pulled from AEW Dynamite after having secondhand contact with someone with COVID-19. Of course, that person turned out to be Renee. Young has reportedly gotten through the worst parts of the virus and is at home wrestling. As far as Moxley is concerned, his scheduled title match next month at AEW Fighter Fest is in question. While he is currently scheduled to defend his title against Brian Cage in the July 8th edition of Fighter Fest, it depends on what happens over the course of the next week with his test results. His match with Cage is supposed to be taped on July 2nd. If Moxley doesn't test positive or shows symptoms of the for the virus, he is rumored to be okay to go ahead with performing for his title match at the July 2nd tapings. Moxley also opted not to leave his wife or self-isolate at a hotel while she is dealing with the virus and potential fear of exposing other people at a hotel with the virus due to his secondhand contact. Moxley and Young are reportedly living in different parts of their home in Nevada. He has been taking tests pretty much every other day. Now, I didn't know about all of what WWE is going on. I spoke on a little bit about it, but I did say that if it starts to get worse, WWE is going to be in trouble. Now, let's go back a little bit to the article. Because this paragraph, now mind you, I do not read any of these articles prior to because I want to give you my most genuine opinion on said article. This is what pisses me off more than anything. WWE officials were said to have been upset that Young publicly announced her COVID-19 status. 
That's bullshit. Now, we all knew about the anonymous WWE talent um, writing a letter um, informing them not to speak out at all on their illness, and they would issue any statements. Um, WWE statements have been very brief and few and far between. Not acknowledging the cases or informed wrestlers and their families in the full extent of the outbreak. And there's little to no communication in WWE these days. This is what the fuck I'm talking about. This is what's going to get them in big fucking trouble, people. Okay? You're upset that one of your talents announced that she had COVID-19. Informing them not to speak out at all on their illness. And the statements you have been releasing have been brief, few and far between. On top of that, you don't acknowledge, you have not acknowledged, they have not acknowledged the cases of infor- or informed wrestlers and their families on the full extent of the outbreak. And there's little to no communication in the company. They have, they are a bunch of fucking idiots. You're forbidding your talent to speak, to talk about if they have COVID-19 or not. You're forbidding them to talk to the, you're not even informing their families on the full extent. That in it, like, let me put it to you this way, right? Hey, mom. If I'm working for the WWE, right? And by the way, I'm recording, so this is going to be all on there. If I'm working for the WWE, right? And I find out I have the coronavirus. And I was told I could not tell you or anyone in my family that I have it. How would you feel? Yeah, okay. Have you met me? <laughs> oh, give uh, me bail money. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. By the way, that is my mom, who I love dearly. But seriously, if you were not able to tell even your significant other that you had it, I know know for a fact your family would get pissed off. This is the problem. This is a huge problem. Mind you, I did not know anything about this. Hands to the man. If I'm lying, I'm dying. But when you get you when you as a company get pissed off that one of your talent announces they have it, and you're telling the remainder of your roster that you are forbidden to speak on it, I'm gonna feel some type of fucking wet. That shit don't fly here, y'all. This is what I'm talking about. WWE is doing this ass fucking backwards. How funny is it that AEW is literally testing their talent every single time they do tapings with the, for the coronavirus, temperature checks, all this shit, and yet WWE, the only thing they did was make sure they had temperature checks and questionnaires. Not testing for COVID. Not even presenting the results to the talent nor their families, so they're able to isolate. Mm. This 
is going to be a big fucking deal. Mind you, as far as I I don't really give a shit about their taping schedule. Fuck their taping schedule. There's a reason I've been seeing on Twitter people asking for WWE and AEW to stop taping immediately. Personally, I wouldn't allow I, I wouldn't allow WWE to tape at all unless they were actually doing coronavirus testing. That is blatantly disrespectful. I can understand why talent is fr- are frustrated. I can understand why now more so that Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens did not want to show up and and perform. Roman Reigns just had twins with his wife. Sami Zayn wasn't having any of it. He wasn't going to show up. Unfortunately, got stripped of the Intercontinental Championship, but he knew better. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens, guy, he has a family and a very good looking wife, by the way. But he wasn't going to risk it. They seem pretty fucking smart now, don't they? WWE's in trouble. Oh, they're in trouble. And if they don't get this shit done, you know, this is going to be crazy. This is absolutely insane. You know, I, I can't believe this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna step away from it and move on because I'm gonna try to keep. I want it to be a little bit more lighthearted. I think I got the, the main heavy stuff out of the way. I lied. <laughs> from WrestlingNews.co, reason why WWE backstage was canceled by FS1. Oh, and before I get into that, the fact that even WWE management has was didn't even reach out to Renee Young to see if she was okay. Are you fucking out of your mind? You didn't even take time out of your fucking day to simply take your cell phone, the one that I'm recording on right now, Calling her and asking, hey, Renee, you know, so-and-so from WWE, you know, I just want to see how you were doing, making sure you're okay, you know, we're here for you if you need anything, you know, we just want to check on you, make sure you're all right. That personally, if I got that call, I would feel, you know, I'd be like, you know what, hey, you know, now me personally, you don't have to, but if you do call me, I appreciate you for it, you know, I'm all right, I ain't dead. You know, I'm just that kind of person. But for Renee, if I'm her and I'm not even hearing from my own bosses, the motherfuckers that signed my checks, I'm going to feel some type of way about that. I'm going to be pissed off completely. Well, let's get back into the article from uh, about backstage. This is from Paul Davis from yesterday. Fox Sports decision to cut back on production of shoulder programming including WWE backstage, had nothing to do with COVID-19. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter that the reason why backstage was canceled was because of the feeling from FS1 that they were spending too much of the show and the low ratings were not justifying the money being put in. CM Punk was signed to do shows once a month, but his presence on the show was not enough to get them over 200,000 viewers. Oftentimes, the show drew less than 100,000 viewers. Meltzer noted that in addition to the on-air talent, 
They also let go a number of employees that worked in production. According to WWE officials, the old shows that have been airing in prime time will continue to air on FS1. The problem with backstage is the same as all C other C-level WWE-related shows. Raw and SmackDown are considered the main shows, but when WWE would attempt to introduce a new show, it would never draw close to the numbers of Raw and SmackDown. Shows that have been brought back over the years to TV as C-level shows include WWE Superstars, WWE Main Event, WWE Velocity, WWE Afterburn, WWE Confidential, and many others. They all follow the same pattern by starting out with strong ratings and then fizzling out after a few weeks. In this case, Backstage was not a WWE production and Fox was funding it, which is why Punk was able to appear on the show. I really didn't watch Backstage, personally. Never really cared for it, honestly, even with the CM Punk deal. Was I surprised that CM Punk came back to do WWE programming? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people did. That gave it very strong ratings for a little bit. But, when you have a show that isn't doing its numbers, yeah, that's going to be a uh, bit of a big deal, especially when Fox was the one that was funding it and not WWE. So at that point, it was on Fox to pull the plug. As far as it, as far as it having any, nothing to do with COVID-19, I disagree. Even the fact that Renee Young does have the coronavirus at this very moment. I mean, she is pretty much the, the host of the show, like the main you know, person of the show. And, you know, like, again, I never really watched it. You know, I was always doing other shit or because it's usually on Tuesdays, um, I was recording. So, and then they really pushed, they, they, if I remember correctly, they had the WWE backstage, like, be like at 8 o'clock and then pushed it back to like 10 and then pushed it back to 11. Me personally, I'm in bed usually sometime between 9 and 10, depending on what day of the week. Today, sometime between like, this is going to be a quick night. You know, and I don't watch Raw. Thank you, Redness. Uh, I'm in bed usually sometime between 8.30 and 9.30. Depending on how I feel that day and whatever I'm doing. But I'm not surprised that, you know, Backstage got canceled. To me, it was, it was an alright show, but it really didn't offer any... I mean, yeah, it had its news... Um, I wish it could have been more sports-centric, in a sense. Um, I mean, they, they tried their best. I'll give them that. They tried their best to, you know, talk about the, the news of the week, uh, breaking news, all that stuff. They really did try to put their best foot forward. But in the end, you know, once you have it to, like, 10, 11 o'clock, most people are asleep. Unless you're living in different time zones. Unless you're living in the Pacific Mountain or Central Time Zone. I live on the Eastern Time Zone. If it comes on 11, I ain't... DVR and that shit. I'm going to bed. I gotta be. I gotta be up at four and four four thirty in the morning anyway to get ready for work at six. All right. So, am I kind of bummed that it's uh, done? Not really, given the fact that I never really watched it. But I'm sure there were some who watched backstage and were just like, "Oh, I mean, falling numbers for Fox, you know." I don't know how they're going to negotiate with this whole, with this whole WWE deal. 
especially with what we got going on with with the whole Renee Young deal and all this shit, and with 30, 30 people and counting uh, who have the coronavirus, um, thoughts would be strongly, uh, in my opinion, they, they, they would be wise to renegotiate their deal. And I'm going to leave it at that. I think we're going to do... Let's see where I'm at. I got one more. I want to do one more before we end this particular segment of the show here for episode 225 of the YLP podcast. Uh, let's end it with this one, because I think this was funny. From Cultaholic.com, Maria Kanellis reveals the father of the WWE pregnancy storyline, and dare I say, one of the worst storylines that pretty much ruined Mike and Maria Kanellis, or should I say the death knell of Mike and Maria Kanellis in WWE. This is from Justin Henry from yesterday. In the summer of 2019, WWE ran a storyline involving Maria Kanellis and husband Mike, in which Maria's real-life pregnancy was worked into the world of kayfabe. As part of the storyline, Maria constantly emasculated Mike, and claimed that somebody else was the father of the child. However, the angle was eventually dropped, and both Canellises were released from WWE this past April, as part of the colossal wave of talent and staff releases amid the COVID pandemic. On Sunday, Maria responded to a tweet from a fan, who asked what the reveal for the father was supposed to entail. She confirmed that it was going to be husband Mike all along. Canellis responded, quote, My husband... He was supposed to turn face and do a story about recovery from addiction and motivation, but that's just too good, too real, too honest. And of course, I was supposed to remain the bad guy until I came back from maternity leave. Baby face mama. Quote, end quote. Outside of the story, Mike and Maria Canellis had their second child, a boy, this past February. This particular storyline sucked. It really, it, it, it's just, this, uh, uh, just no, just absolutely no, no, just no. This show, this storyline sucked. The storyline was terrible. Everything about it was just garbage. I, I I hated every part of it because it made Mike look like a pretty much a pussy. Maria looked like a bitch, and Mike and Maria weren't standing for it. Now, if it came to be that it was going to be a babyface turn for Mike amid his recovery and everything that went going on with that. That's cool. Would it have resulted in a push? Not fucking really. And once Mike and Maria asked for their release after this bullshit, that then fell on Lana and Rusev. Now, the reason why I really hate this fucking storyline was because of the fact that we got this bullshit storyline between Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley, and that in and of itself was a fucking joke, which resulted in Rusev being released from the WWE. So not only did you release Mike and Maria, 
you also fucked over the career of Rusev, which honestly, in my personal opinion, was on a hell of a decline anyway, and never really got and he never really got the the push that he deserved. Even with the Rusev Day gimmick, which was literally over as fuck in 2018. And it looked as if they were on their way to becoming SmackDown Tag Team Champions himself in English. It never really got off the ground. Even go back to, I forget which WrestleMania it was. Uh, I think it was 31 when he faced John Cena. That was poised to be his night. What'd they do? Boop, 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 boop. Cena beat Rusev. And I think even at that point, Rusev was fucked. They gave him opportunity after opportunity, but for some reason, just never got up the ground. Even with the organic love that the crowd was giving to Rusev and Aiden English and Lana for Rusev Day, WWE killed it. Because they weren't the ones to build it themselves. Lana's pretty much fucked. Because, well, there's the bullshit storyline with Lashley. That was trash. It was, it was trash, all of it, and, I mean, it sucks, because I would have, I mean, I had said before, when the, all of the storyline came about, personally, Mike and Maria should have started in NXT. I think the gimmick really would have gotten over well in NXT, and would have been built organically by Triple H and his crew. Because, honestly, when Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis made their debut, no reaction whatsoever. None. Hooray. Nothing. No crowd reaction. Nothing. Because we didn't know who they were. I did. Because I had been watching them over in Japan in Ring of Honor. As part of the kingdom. That kingdom come. No, the crowd reaction was just doo-doo. It was shit. Nobody knew who they were. No one bothered to give a shit. And the gimmick really just went up in flames within the first, like, month. I mean, it is nice to know that Mike would have been the one, of course, revealed as the father. And I do congratulate him on their baby boy, who is now, I believe, now four months old. And I'm sure he is as adorable as this. And hopefully he looks like his daddy. <laughs> oh, just a simple uh, side rant. I have a simple theory about babies. Um, I don't know why this popped into my head, but I always have a simple theory about babies. If a if a child favor, favors one parent in terms of looks, the personality of the other parent will be the personality of the child. And I can prove it. My niece, my adorable two-year-old niece, Cute as a butt. Looks exactly like my sister did when she was a baby. My twin sister. Looks exactly like my twin sister when she was a baby. And I know for a fact she is going to have her father's personality like nobody's business. Oh, it is going to be crazy. Having to... Getting to watch that in action. Um, 
Same thing with my one of my very good friends, my buddy Jesse, has two daughters. They look just like their mom. Both of them do, and they're adorable. But they act exactly like he does. Full on. Like I've seen it. Like we've talked about this. And I told him, dude, they look just like your wife, but they're gonna act exactly like you do. And he told me, dude, you're not wrong. They act exactly like me. It's crazy. It's it's a weird theory, I know. But trust me, think about it. If y'all have kids, whoever if you're listening to me right now and you have kids, I, I guarantee you can you can back this up. You can back up this theory and make it legit. Hit me with a voice message for real. I'm being dead serious. If you can prove this theory to be true, let me know with a voice message. I'll put it on the show without question. Guarantee I will put it on the show and I will I, I want to test this. If you have children and you're listening to this podcast right now, if you're within earshot of this podcast. Let me know if this is legitimate or not. Because I want to know. I want to test it. I want to make sure this is legit. I've had this theory for a few years now, and I want to know. Other than that, though, that's going to conclude part one of the news of the weekend for episode 225 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, I have news. I have breaking news, actually, um, about NXT UK. Will they or will or won't they be shutting down? I also have news on everyone's favorite GM from Applebee's, Baron Corbin. Reportedly upset aww, over Matt Riddle plans. I also have news on, of course, we got to go to the NJPW side. Bad Luck Fale says Bullet Club lost their identity after the Elite joined. Uh, of course, I have news on why Zach Clayton thinks AEW is featuring so many matches on AEW Dark. I have news on Eric Bischoff. News on Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. The Rock reveals his who he thinks is the GOAT in professional wrestling. And a certain person who had a rib that started the Mark Henry Hall of Pain gimmick. All of this when we come back for episode 225 of the YLP Podcast. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is King Ricky Rose your general manager of WrestleAddict Radio and host of Kings of the Rings podcast. And you are listening to our newest member, Tuba Pack, with Young Lions Perspective, hosted by Mr. Zachary Razika, exclusively on WrestleAddict Radio. And we are back. Episode 225 of the YLP podcast. Let's get into part two of the news of the weekend. Before we get into that, this segment of the show is brought to you by, of course, our Patreon over on patreon.com slash Radio. For a mere 17 cents a day, equating to $5 a month, you can get exclusive access to our group chat that we have over there. And shout out to all our patrons in our group chat. We were just chatting a little while ago about some things. We were actually talking yesterday about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, all that good stuff, and uh, of course, Junior Mahal got brought up, and I didn't want to get into things that just makes me mad and upset. My dog was just like upset about that, and that was a good nightmare. Um, as well as, um, of course, exclusive shows you will not listen, you will not be able to listen to on regular war programming. Uh, shows like this, my show, The Secret Files podcast, 
Love and War, a uh, show with uh, King Ricky Rose and Kate Murphy of the King of the Rings podcast, as well as uh, Frex of the Game Changer podcast. He is Joe is Billy Five, uh, where he goes to uh, multiple um, episodes of giving his fave five on certain topics, um, such as, of course, uh, his most recent ones, I believe, were wrestlers and in your house pay per view. So, definitely something to consider. And also, I think this is the most important thing. I think this is the coolest part about all of it. An exclusive code that will get you 15% off every single purchase you make over at our Teespring stores. That also includes the product collection that will end um, at the end of, I believe, at the end of the night on tomorrow night. Excuse me. Um, and, of course, any other uh, merchandise that you would like to get. Of course, make sure you get some of that YLP merchandise when you're over at teespring.com slash d-ylp-collection and you can get yourself some swanky ass merch for the summer of course uh for the men women and the young cubs out there as well as accessories uh we'll talk about more about that at the end of today's episode but yeah consider becoming a member of the patreon family today patreon.com slash wrestle radio before my dog it's all in my ass i would like to inform you that this is the obligatory marley moment of the show and which we'd like to remind you infinite wisdom at the age of 10 yeah i'm doing it all right yeah 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 don't 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 you don't you wink at me child don't don't wink at me yes this is your part of the show enjoy that shit um (laughs) Of course, like I said, this is brought to you by Marley, who would like to remind you to make sure in these unprecedented times to uh, make sure you get as much adequate sleep as possible. She recommends 8 to 12 hours, um, and you can do it multiple times throughout the day. Two or three naps usually would do it just fine. Make sure you're getting an adequate amount of water, um, because it is quite divine. Especially when you put a little liquid IV in there, not a, not a plug whatsoever. Sponsor me. Um... Make sure you get, of course, enjoy a very nutritious diet, especially in these times. It is very good to be able to cook from home, cook your own meals instead of just eating takeout every single night. Even though I do like myself a nice Domino's pizza every once in a while, and I actually do have, actually, I'm able to actually really eat two pizza, but I'm not going to worry about that right now because it is not leg day. Um, <laughs> and as well, uh, make sure every once in a while to treat yourself. But if you treats, uh, whatever that may be, whatever you may like to indulge in, enjoy yourself and don't always enjoy in moderation. With that being said, are we good? All right, we're good. Let's get into the remainder of the news of the weekend. And this actually was just breaking news uh, a few hours ago as of this recording, of course. Um, this came out at like 12, about close to one o'clock today. Uh, I'm assuming um, Eastern Standard Time. So this was about four hours ago, a little more than four hours ago, four or five hours ago, from Cultaholic.com. WWE NXT UK won't be shutting down following abuse allegations against members of the roster. This is from Aiden Gibbons. Over the past 12 days, brave men and women have shared their stories of surviving abuse in the British professional wrestling scene. Oh, okay, hold, okay, hold the fuck up. Get that bull, yeah, get that bullshit off my telly. Get the fuck out of here. We don't need that bullshit. I don't need that damn ad. Fuck that. My apologies. Let's start over. 
Over the past 12 days, brave men and women have shared their stories of surviving abuse in the British professional wrestling scene and beyond through speaking out. Numerous stories have evolved members of the NXT UK roster, including Jordan Devlin, Travis Banks, and Ligero. WWE previously announced that they are taking all allegations very seriously and fired Banks and Ligero over the weekend. Police forces across the United Kingdom are also investigating cases. Despite the allegations, Alex McCarthy at TalkSport reported... WWE don't have any plans to close NXT UK and are still committed to their global localization strategy. McCarthy noted the company thinks the UK brand is worth rebuilding because of stars like Valter and Kaylee Ray and the popularity of NXT on the WWE network. The company also spent a substantial amount on the UK Performance Center in London, England and don't want to see that investment go to waste. Even if WWE wanted to shut the brand down, however, their TV deal with BT Sport would actually prevent them from doing so. So that is a very nice piece of news. Uh, now knowing that the um, NXT UK will continue on, and that is a very big blessing in disguise because I am a fan of NXT UK. I know a lot of the people um, within, I, I think for the most part, who do watch NXT UK are big fans of it. Um, I've been, uh, I actually used to do reviews for NXT UK back in 2018 when it actually started. And I've been an advocate for the brand since day one. You can check out all my stuff over uh, on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective if you want to go back and listen to those reviews. Because honestly, those are some of my best work. And like I said, I, I was I was a big advocate of it. I really broke out. That, this is when I really started to get into my, uh, my groove in terms of breaking down episodes. I was breaking down full episodes, talking about all matches, talking about everything, not just a couple of bullet points. Really breaking down the episodes and really were thinking where what was going to go where. Um, and I broke it down in cycles, uh, you know, talking about the NXT UK verse scene, the women's scene, and getting into the tag team cycle. I was really breaking this shit down. And I have to say, honestly, to this day, almost, for almost two years, I've been rocking with this shit. Um, I, really have, I really have to say, reviewing NXT UK shows... Um, was some of my best work and to this day is my best work because I I was very I'm passionate about the the brand I still am passionate about the brand especially the talent that they have there with names like Walter and Kaylee Ray and Zaya Brookside and um, uh, Mark Haskins and you know Mark Andrew well I don't know if Mark Haskins is uh, NXT UK though he should go um, because him and Vicky would be killing it over there in NXT UK but I know they would be part of progress especially with finding out that Vicky Haskins is now a member of the um, Progress team, and I believe I, uh, I talked. I don't know if I talked about that, but um, yes, Vicky Haskins is a member of the uh, Progress uh, team. Uh, in terms of like, I'm not sure if it was booking shows, but she is a member of a member of Progress management, which is a very big accomplishment for her. Um, you know, Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews, Imperium, you know, Gallus. Although Joe Coffee is going through some shit right now. Um, I'm glad they're sticking around. And I think, you know, especially with NXT UK TakeOver Dublin, if they were supposed to have in October, um, I don't know if they're still going to do Walter Finn Balor for the NXT United Kingdom Championship, but that is a match we definitely need to revisit. Um, something that we need to really keep our eye on. And hopefully, you know, we do get Dublin in October because that is something I definitely want to keep, I definitely would love, 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 love to keep an eye on. And now I won't have to not, um, uh, pretty much not do live tweeting for NXT UK, because I am an advocate for the brand. 
Moving on, though, let's get into everyone's favorite GM from Applebee's, Baron Corbin. And apparently, he is butthurt as fuck and reportedly upset over Matt Riddle plans. This is from, of course, my favorite professional wrestling writer in the game right now, Mark Middleton from this past Saturday. King Baron Corbin, or should we say Cuck Baron Corbin, (laughs) is reportedly unhappy about plans for he and Matt Riddle to feud on WWE SmackDown. Corbin only recently found out about the plans for the feud with Riddle, according to a new report from Gary Cassidy of Sports Kita. The plan for Riddle's first lengthy rivalry on the blue brand has always been scheduled to be with Corbin. While Corbin just found out about the feud with Riddle last week, word is that Riddle has known about the plans for several months. Corbin reportedly insisted that Riddle should have to beat five enhancement talents before getting the chance to face him. This week's SmackDown main event saw Jeff Hardy defeating Corbin after Corbin had earlier disrespected The Undertaker on a show that was a tribute to the dead man in his 30-year career. The show ended with Riddle, Hardy, and WWE Universal Champion Braun Strowman and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions of the New Day taking turns on Corbin in the middle of the ring. Riddle made his in-ring debut on SmackDown just last week, um, or should I say just a couple weeks ago, picking up a non-title win over WWE Intercontinental Champion AJ Styles. As we noted, there's history between Riddle and Corbin, as Corbin eliminated Riddle during the 2019 Survivor Series triple threat match between the three brands and during the 2020 30-man Royal Rumble match. Bitch, you is enhancement talent. I'm going to say that one more time, Baron Corbin. Bitch, you is enhancement talent. And I know that is not grammatically correct, but I don't give a fuck. Baron Corbin is a failure. The King Corbin gimmick, failure. The Constable Corbin gimmick, a epic failure. Baron Corbin, as Baron Corbin before, and I was a fan of Baron Corbin and him coming out of NXT. And he has just literally failed with every step that has taken place in WWE main roster television for Corbin. He is trash. Everything, this character's trash in the ring. I would say he's got some stuff in the ring. Don't get me me twisted. But he is just trash. They have booked him like trash. They have booked him as a failure. Ergo, vis-a-vis, Baron Corbin in WWE is a failure. So for him to say that he should go through five enhancement talents before he gets to Corbin, or should he gets to him, um, no, no, uh, Pippin, um, you are the enhancement talent. Riddle's going to run through you like a brick wall, okay? And he's going to beat you. And he's going to move past you. Excuse me, I had to sneeze there. He's going to run past you. And, um, yeah, he's going to move on with his career while you stay stuck in lower mid-card purgatory. You bitch. I know a lot of people, you wouldn't say that to his face. I would have no problem saying Baron Corbin's a failure. I would have no problem saying that because it, because it shows. It shows in television. Sure, he's been, what, a Money in the Bank briefcase winner, then got embarrassed. And I did, I talked about that back in 2018. Um, 
when he had the opportunity to become the WWE champion, pinning Baron uh, Jinder Mahal during uh, Mahal's uh, unfortunate bullshit title reign, and facing John Cena at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. And they booked him to be pinned. Sure, he's won, an inter- I believe, the United States Championship. I believe he's won the Intercontinental Championship. But other than that, he hadn't really done jack shit. He's literally been a stepping stone for other WWE talent. So for him to have the balls to say, he needs to go, Riddle needs to go through five enhancement talents before he gets to me, bitch. You have no say in what they're going to do. They are they want to push Riddle, not you, and they're going to do exactly what they're going to do. Have Riddle beat you, and then you're going to throw you back in the trash where you belong. Now, as far as the him not knowing for months about Riddle, be, Riddle and Corbin being the first feud for Riddle, um, it, they made that pretty fucking evident during... Uh, Riddle's match versus Styles in his debut. They made that pretty damn evident. Okay? So, we'll have to suffer through that for a little bit. But once we get past that, all will be good for Riddle. And bigger and better things will be coming for Riddle on SmackDown while Corbin stays stuck on the bench, bitching like a little girl because he isn't getting his way. You are now nothing more than enhancement talent Lower mid-carder, get used to it. The King Corbin gimmick sucks. You've done, they've done nothing with it. I think it's time we bury the King gimmick once and for all. From WrestlingInc.com, Bad Luck Fale says Bullet Club lost their identity after the Elite joined the group. This is from Kelly Halat. Founding Bullet Club member Bad Luck Filet recently did an interview with NJPW1972.com. During the interview, Fale revealed that he wasn't happy with where the direction Bullet Club went when the Elite joined the group. He was excited at first when Kenny Omega took over his, the leadership at New Year's Dash in 2016. And what a great moment that was. But it soon changed. Fale felt that while the Bullet Club was popular in America under Kenny, it wasn't what the group built. It was Kenny and the Elite's vision. The Elite members in the Bullet Club at one time consisted of Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Adam Cole, and Marty Skrull. Quote, yeah, I thought this was our chance to take what we had built and bring it to the States, bring it to the world. It got us a lot of notoriety as a brand, but no, it wasn't taking what we had built overseas. It was taking Kenny and the Elite's version overseas. We weren't wrestling the way we did. We were wrestling the way they did. It really felt like we were losing our identity. Bad Luck Fale also felt that being edgy and getting disqualified in matches got people who were once fans of AJ Styles and Carl Anderson back to liking Bullet Club. Quote, but doing that, it brought some of our fans back. People that were fans of AJ and Carl that had gone gone away because of the style had changed under Kenny. Kenny Omega was the Bullet Club leader from 2016 to 2018. Jay White then would take over as the leader. The full NG, if you want to check out the full NG, uh, interview with NGPW.com, go check, click on the hyperlink over there. This is actually from June 25th, so you may have to go back a little bit, but I'm sure you can easily find it if you want to check out the rest of the interview or just go over to NJPW1972.com for the full interview there. Now, in terms of what Fale said, Fale is actually not wrong. Fale is absolutely correct. 
when the elite joined the Bullet Club, which started with Kenny um, Omega back in 2016, me personally, this is the first instance of me ever seeing uh, Kenny Omega, ever. Um, I thought it was a good addition. Um, I thought, really, he really came into his own. I was really excited about, you know, what what the... Because I'm a Bullet Club guy. I love the Bullet Club, um, including the original four members. Bale, Carl Anderson, Tama Tonga, and uh, Finn Balor, then known as Prince Devin. I loved it. I was a big fan of it. When they brought in Luke Gallows, I was an even bigger fan of it. And around 2016, he's not wrong. Um, once Kenny got into there and they brought in the Elite, the Bucks, Hangman Page, Cole, and Skrull, it really looked as if that Tonga, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, um, Fale, Ujiro Takahashi, um, those guys were pretty much being put in the background for a bit. And it did show in that, uh, it did show close to 2018 where, um, where you pretty much saw, you know, Omega and the Bucks really get more shine. Skrull was getting involved in junior heavyweight championship matches. Adam Cole was starting to get into his own with that, which I kind of thought was a weird flex, um, but it made sense at the time for Cole to be part of Bullet Club. Hangman Page was coming into his own, even though he had one of his best years of his career uh, in 2018 in the G1 uh, Climax. And I did talk about that way back when um, I was still hype on G1. I still live to this day. Um, so, I can easily see where Fale is coming from. Now, the booking they did, I believe in 2018, where they had Fale and Tonga and uh, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa um, really interfere and get themselves disqualified during matches, that was a hell of a spot. That was a hell of a call by um, Gato to actually allow this to happen uh, and to um, be able to, you know, do that. That was... That was fantastic. That was really, really cool. I love that. I love the way they did it. It was fantastic. Same time, Hangman Page was doing the damn thing um, in the tournament, killing it. And I think I, I consider him to be the MVP of the 2018 G1 Climax because of his performance. And I think that really came into his own um, when it came time to um, get into all elite wrestling. He really, I really think he came into his own in 2018. I really do. So it really, uh, really did do a service for him. Marty Skrull uh, won the Junior Heavyweight Championship, got involved in that Fatal 4-Way uh, in the Four, uh, four Corners match um, with, uh, I think, Wrestle Kingdom with Takahashi and Will Ospreay, and I believe it was, uh, I don't think it was the fourth, uh, not Kanemaru. Wasn't Des- I don't think it was Desperado either. I think it was, uh, I'm so, I'll be so pissed off if I can't remember this. It was Ospreay, Takahashi, Skrull, was the fourth? Was it Dragon Lee? Hold on. Let me look this up. Wrestle Kingdom 13. And that was a wild ass event, too. That was so wild. Let me see if I can find it. Junior Heavyweight Tag Title. Was it 12? It could be 12. I could be wrong. Hold on. My apologies. I want to make sure I get this right, because I know... Because that match was... That... Oh, my God. Uh, 
Let me see if it was, I think it was 12. Uh, results. Yeah. Osprey Squirrel Takahashi Kushida. Okay. I knew I was, I knew I knew it. That match was fire. All right. So they were really doing well for themselves, but it looked as if Fale, Tamatanga, Tanga Loa were really in the back burner. And that's why they did what they did in terms, you know, of course, AJ Styles was involved. But when they really came back into their own, you know, getting disqualified in matches during the G1, a lot of people who are fans did start coming back to liking Bullet Club. I was always Bullet Club. I'm Bullet Club forever. I'm a Bullet Club guy. I love Bullet Club. I think they're one of the best stables NJPW has in the game and one of the best bullet, one of the best stables in the game, period, because in Wrestle Kingdom 10, if I'm not mistaken, um, Kevin Nash really pretty much signified it. Wrestle Kingdom, they were like, hey, too sweet back at you. So why not? So, I mean, I'm glad to see that Bullet Club is, is finding their way again um, with Jay Light as the leader, in a sense. Um, but, yeah, I can definitely see where Fale is coming from. But if you want to check out the rest of the interview, njpw1972.com. From Wrestling Inc. Doc, I got a lot of stuff from Wrestling Inc. Doc, because they got so much good shit. Zach Clayton on why he thinks AEW is featuring so many matches on AEW Dark recently. This is from Ross Kelly from yesterday. Zach Clayton popped up on AEW Dark recently when he took on QT Marshall in a match. The indie wrestler discussed how he got on AEW's radar when he joined the Wrestling Inc. Daily Podcast. Quote, I've had a relationship with them for about a year now. I was at their first event in Vegas, Double or Nothing, and just catch, catch, and just kept in touch with them since. They reached out for the opportunity and said, "Do you want to come down this week?" And I was, and it was like three days from when they had texted that, and I'm like, "Yeah, sure," because I got to be ready at this point all the time, you know. So there wasn't any hesitation there. I went, and that was the first time I was backstage like that to be able to meet and talk with to everybody and see how things work there. That was just a great opportunity and experience. My apologies to take a sip of water there. Clayton then discussed what it was like working with AEW Locker Room and how the backstage environment was. Quote, great. I didn't see Cody until literally I was ready to go out for the match. We exchanged a little bit of words and I went out and then I spoke to him after, spoke to him a little bit after. But everybody was great. It was a, it's a friendly, very friendly environment there. And it's really just welcoming and relaxed, but obviously not too relaxed. But it's just a very friendly, welcoming environment there, and I was really happy to see that. Over the last few weeks, AEW has had more and more matches on AEW Dark. He's a featured new talents, and Clayton was asked why he thinks there are having more matches. Quote, Well, I would like to think that it's so they can find some good talent. They have great talent, but there's always room to expand. In my view, and that's uh, and I think that's what they're looking for. I also think they're not just picking random people anymore is what I was told. They're kind of making sure these people have some credibility. They're not just random people coming in, which is a good thing. Clayton would have liked his AEW debut to come under different circumstances and not with the backdrop of a pandemic. He was asked about performing in front of a virtually empty arena and without any fans. Quote, you have to adapt to it, like everybody is. Everyone, anywhere in any field is adapting to it. But in stage performance, obviously the crowd is beneficial because that's what you feed off and we get energy off of because that's what you're made to work to, a crowd and for a purpose, right? But I don't think it was any. Some people say it was awkward, 
And I didn't feel any of that. I was just, I was just, I kind of was just in the moment of what I was supposed to be doing and what my character was supposed to be doing. I'm using the cameras now a lot more, which is obviously better. But yeah, if there was a crowd that there, that would have been a lot better just to feed off of. We're going to get there at some point, hopefully. Hopefully we can all get back to normal at some point soon and back get back to our lives and how we knew them before. End quote. Clayton was then asked about AEW's protocol for keeping everyone safe and healthy in regards to COVID testing. Quote, everyone gets tested. I know people fly in and out from all over the place, but whenever you land there, you get tested by AEW, which is a great thing to see as obviously you feel safe. Every day when you walk into the building, you get a temperature check a couple times whenever you go in and out. So it's a very safe environment, and it was obviously good to know, and I'm sure people like to hear that. Clayton has been performing on the indie scene for a couple of years now, and he was asked what he'd like to do next in his career. I would love to get back to AEW very soon, and hopefully that happens, said Clayton. That's what I'm looking for. That's where my direction is in my mind. So that's really cool to see that, you know, why they're doing this. They're, they're, they're going to look at talent. They're getting a look at the t- town, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I see nothing wrong with um, having AEW bring people in for AEW dark shows. And even if they're just, you know, enhancement talent, it's a good way to be able to seek out new talent, especially those um, on the scene now. Abaddon just got signed. Ricky Starks just got signed to AEW. And I'm sure, um, I think Anna Jay, who was doing uh, AEW dark shit. Now is on AEW. Uh, now is part of the AEW main roster. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was on there. Uh, Lee Johnson, I know, is enhancement talent, but he's been featured on AEW Dark. There's a lot of talent you see on there. Now I don't watch it as often as I used to because because I do a Tuesday show, but um, I know for a fact that with AEW Dark, and that's a really good thing to be able to build up talent. And I. Set, and I kind of, one case I think would was the most, um, one that always comes into my mind is Allie. Um, before she became the bunny, um, she was doing shows on AEW Dark and all of a sudden became part of uh, Dynamite TV and AEW Dynamite. And she even had an interview talking about finally on Dynamite, you know, all this good stuff before the whole, uh, with Nala Rose dealing with that. So it really is a way for, um, Indie talent to come in and get a, and have AEW get a look at them and see if they you know really want to keep them or at least you know be able to you know see if they want to keep them around keep uh, working with them and all that stuff. Now they're kind of keeping it to like okay we have our eyes on certain people and we want to keep them going and see if we were able to work them in and bring them into the AEW roster. So I mean it is nice to see that you know they're really. Having, having their eyes on certain people. And hopefully down the line, we may see Zach Clayton again on Dark and possibly on AEW Dynamite. Let's see. Let's go into some lighter fare for just a little bit. From WrestlingNews.co, The Rock reveals who he thinks is the GOAT in pro wrestling. This is from Andrew Ravens. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has given his take on who he thinks is the greatest of all time in pro wrestling. Just like putting together the list of names for Mount Rushmore professional wrestling, who people think is the GOAT is also opinionated as most have different views on the topic. Most people would say The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and John Cena. That's just some of the names that come to mind. The former WWE champion responded to a tweet sent out by Fox that asked fans who they thought was better, The Rock or Steve Austin. 
This is where the rock named Downtown Bruno, famously known among fans as Harvey Whippleman. He wrote the following. In wrestling, easy answer. When I was 15, broke and evicted, this man let me live with him in Nashville, Downtown Bruno. Most people don't know who Bruno is, but a few do. My brother, Steve Austin, comes in a very close second. Cheers to life's wild and unpredictable journey. Hashtag GOAT. While The Rock is retired from pro wrestling, he continues to move forward with his acting career. His next film, Jungle Cruise, was pushed back until next year due to the coronavirus outbreak. He was in the middle of filming Red Notice with Ryan Reynolds before production was halted. He's also preparing for DC's Black Adam. So according to The Rock, Harvey Whippleman is the GOAT in professional wrestling for the simple fact that at 15, Whippleman took him in and let him stay at his place in Nashville. And honestly, that's actually pretty cool. You know, and, you know, I know a lot, me personally, I couldn't even give you my greatest of all time. And I know a lot, I, I, I mean, for me, for you to ask me that, and I, I really would be like, yeah, I'm not giving you that answer. Because I know that will spark so much debate and all that. And for me, it would literally just be out of era. You know, I am literally an attitude era child. I started watching it when I was literally eight or nine years old. So my bias would be leaning towards attitude era wrestlers. And, and of course, um, the Monday Night Wars between WCW and uh, WWE. Um, but for The Rock to state Harvey Whippleman as, his, as the GOAT, that's pretty cool. Um, and then have Steve Austin at a very close second. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's pretty cool for the Rock to say, you know, to not to go out of the outside the box and state him as the greatest of all time, according to him. So I thought that was pretty. I thought that was a little uh, cool article I wanted to give to you guys. Even I didn't know that. Uh, Downtown Bruno, now we know as Harvey Whippleman. That's pretty damn cool. Um, from WrestleTalk. Com. Vince McMahon rib started Mark Henry Hall of Pain gimmick. This is from Liam Winnard. WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry has revealed how his Hall of Payment Hall of Pain gimmick actually came about following a rib pulled on him by Vince McMahon. Henry was the most recent guest on the Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions on the WWE Network during which he explained how the gimmick that led to him to the WWE World Championship was born. He said, and I quote, Okay, and my laptop just wanted to act stupid for a moment. Quote, Pretty much the whole Hall of Pain era started with a rib. You can go back to the beginning of my wrestling career. Vince ribbed me. He took me out into the ring and said I was going to have a match against Sin Cara. I'm standing there in the ring. Nobody comes out. I go to the referee, who was Scott Armstrong. I said, Scott, what's going on, man? Where's he at? And he's like, they are rewrapping his knee. I think that's what they told me. They're rewrapping his knee. Now I'm pissed at Sin Cara. And if he came out, I was going to hurt him because I felt like this is disrespecting the business. Now I'm pissed. I jump through the ropes. I come to the back, and it's a ghost town. Nobody's there. And I just start destroying it, tearing shit down, pulling the lights down, and punching the walls. Just Darth Vader shit. I wanted everything to melt, and I'd go down the hallways, and I'd kick Vince door, Vince's door open, and he's gone. Starting going, Vince, man, I quit. This is the last time. Nobody ribs me. 
I'm a grown-ass man. Vince calls. Man, why did you get so bent out of shape about that? We just playing around. I was like, man, I don't deserve that. I love this business, and I respect you. And I feel like I opened myself up for you to disrespect me. Obviously, you don't respect me, and you damn sure don't fear me, so we don't need to talk anymore. He was like, listen, I'm sorry. He was really remorseful and sorry. Vince McMahon actually showed, actually then showed Henry the footage of all the carnage he caused on his rampage and told him that if he was able to do that on TV, there was money to be made. And the rest, as they say, is history. I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> if if I was supposed to do a match, nobody got backstage, nobody was backstage, and um yeah, I might break some shit too and want to quit because I felt like I got fucked with. But I love these kinds of stories about how certain gimmicks came to be, how certain storylines came about, who did what, who was supposed to be involved. I do love stories like this. Now, by Vince McMahon, and by my standards personally, what Vince McMahon was a solid dick move. Not going to lie. It's a dick move. But what came out of it was probably one of my favorite storylines ever. Hands fucking down. The Hall of Pain literally is one of my favorite gimmicks. That era of Mark Henry was was hands down one of my favorites. And of course, we got the of course one of my favorite theme songs ever, which is of course by done by Three Six Mafia. Somebody gonna get their ass kicked. Um, I, I by the way, great song to listen to when you're in the gym. All right, very fucking good song because you walk in there, you like I'm about, especially if you got pre workout in your system, you look, feel like you're about to fuck shit up. And most of the time, I did. Um, but yeah, that Hall of Pain era, especially what they did with John Cena um, with the whole um, retirement shit. And uh, they, and out, that was probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest swerves um, WWE has ever done, ever, without question. Um, that, that's on every, I put that on everything. That swerve got everybody, got you, got every guy. I don't, I know John Cena was involved, of course, but it got the crowd emotional. I felt some type of way. Jr. said it was a damn. Jr. even said that was a damn good. That was probably one of the best swerves he'd ever seen. And that really, that that whole segment there really added to that Hall of Pain era. You know, of course, he became World Heavyweight Champion, had good matches, had matches against Kane, Randy Orton, all that shit. And, you know, it really made Mark Henry a bona fide main event player during that time. I, I can't be mad at that. Now, I can't be, I can't be, I can't feel some type of way about how they did him dirty but what came out of it, though, really, you know, what came out of it was one of my was one of my favorite, you know, gimmicks. Period, and you can't go wrong with that. I mean, once you know Vince McMahon really broke it down and say, "Hey, if you're able to do this in backstage, imagine what you're going to be able to do out in the ring." And honestly, they took that ball and they fucking ran with it, and it became. It was a man. That was a, that was a great time with Mark Henry as a world heavyweight champion. It was really damn good. And I, to this day, I loved it. Let's get into some impact wrestling news. And I never thought I would, those words would come out of my mouth, but we got some news from impact wrestling from CadesideSeats.com. impact wrestling, heavily pursuing Carl Anderson 
and Luke Gallows. Now, I'm sure some of you have already heard about this, but if you haven't, let's get into it from Gino Brosco from this past Saturday. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were released by WWE months ago and have been steadily promoting an announcement on their future for July 18th. In the meanwhile, that would be the same night as Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary pay-per-view, which was promoted with a teaser that former WWE stars could be showing up at it. Pro Wrestling Sheet is now reporting that very well could be the case, as Impact is heavily pursuing the duo to make an appearance on that show. Per the report, Impact has offered a deal that would allow the two to work with New Japan Pro Wrestling at the same time, which would obviously be an ideal scenario. In addition to that, it's apparently entirely possible the two could be starting up a side promotion of their own. This would seem to indicate that they won't be going to AEW, but it's clear Anderson and Gallows are in-demand stars nonetheless. Stay tuned. Now, me personally... Y'all know I don't watch Impact Wrestling. Not a big fan of it. Well, as of late, I'm not. I don't really get into it. I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, I think at the last time I actually literally watched an Impact Wrestling program was probably about the early 2010s. 2010, 2011. And even then, it was kind of like, eh, then. So, that was, that was like 23 around that time. And that was probably the last I had seen of um, Impact Wrestling. So, I really wasn't a fan of it. I was a fan of it like 01, 02 when I was in middle school. And every fr- I remember every Friday getting off the bus and just running home. Because I knew at 3 o'clock Impact Wrestling was going to go down. And I would do my homework while watching Impact Wrestling. I was I was not gonna lie. I was actually a fan. I was actually part of the TNA Street Team, which didn't really mean much. I just got sweet at. I just got cool ass posters that I got to put in my uh, on my on my wall, on my in my room on um, on my uh, on my bedroom door. But yeah, I was a part. Of, I, I was a big fan of the, uh, the Street Team. Uh, I was a big fan of you know Impact Wrestling on FS on uh, Fox Sports Net when on uh, Fox Sports Net was a thing. Um, and. The possibility of Anderson and Gallows going over to Impact will definitely bring some eyes over to Impact, given the fact that Anderson and Gallows are beast. And also given the fact that they their deal, the uh, Impact is offering, would, uh, be, would allow them to work with New Japan at the same time. I think that would be a dope scenario because then uh, they can get back into... Um, having dank-ass matches with Sonata and Evil. Because uh, I would love to see that again. Because that, that rivalry was dope. I still wish KES was a thing. The Killer Elite Squad with Lance Archer and Davies Boy Smith Jr. That, that, those, those matches were bomb. Oh, my God. Those, if you were not watching New Japan, I'd say around um, 2017, 2018-ish, which is kind of around the time I started really getting back to the swing of things with professional wrestling. Well, 2016 I did, but I really got heavily back into it 2017-2018. Anderson and Gallows were just having straight bangers um, when they were, even when they were fighting for and reigning as the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Uh, Bangers with Sonata and Evil, bangers with KDS, 
bangers with Tenzan and uh, Kojima. Just they, every time you saw an Anderson and Gallows match, you knew you were having straight bangers. You knew. Especially if it was not an evil and KES. Those were just absolute bangers. And and they they were they were producing some great matches. Um so for the opportunity to possibly get Gallows and Anderson back in New Japan, I'm not gonna mind that one bit. It all depends on if they do decide to sign with uh, Impact Wrestling. And I think that would be a definite big help to the tag team division because they kind of need it. And I'm just going to leave that there. But we'll see how it goes, how it goes with Anderson and Gallows. And we'll see what happens. And if there's any news on them going to Impact, I will be happily happy to report it. No problem. And we will end this week's episode of News of the Weekend. With a, uh, with a nice little article from Fightful.com. Eric Bischoff reveals TNT reaction to Dennis Rodman skipping Bulls practice for WCW Nitro. Of course, this is from the one and only Sean Ross Sapp. The Last Dance had the eyes of the world, much like WCW Nitro and Dennis Rodman did in 1998. The ESPN documentary highlighted the unpredictable behavior of the of Hall of Fame power forward Dennis Rodman towards the end of the series. Specifically, the subject of Rodman choosing to visit WCW Nitro instead of attending an NBA Finals practice was broached. TNT maintains a relationship with the NBA to this day, and when speaking with Fightful, Bischoff revealed the feedback he got based off based on that quote. And I'm not really trying to see a Ty Lopez ad right now. No tanky. Thank you. Ironically, I didn't get much feedback. I say ironically because my boss at the time was a guy by the name of Harvey Schiller. Harvey Schiller was the president of Turner Sports. One of Harley Schiller's most important jobs as head of Turner Sports was to manage and maintain the working relationship between Turner Broadcasting and the NBA because Turner Broadcasting held the rights, NBA rights on TNT, and I think they still do. Don't worry, Eric, they do. So the fact this was occurring during the NBA playoffs with a company, WCW, that was a part of Turner Broadcasting that held those rights, those rights, which is a unique enough in and of itself, because even more hard to believe when my boss was the guy whose job was on the line for maintaining that relationship. To answer your question, no. I never got any real pushback. I got a couple of questions. Harvey was curious, but not in an overhanded way, end quote. At the time, Rodman was one of the world's most famous athletes. He was the most colorful and eccentric basketball players in the world on the Chicago Bulls team that was in the middle of winning three straight titles. In addition, he'd been the subject of Rodman World Tour, as well as the feature film Double Team, not exactly common in sports. Quote, let's be honest about it. First and foremost, Dennis Rodman is a guy that comes along once every hundred years, says Bischoff. He was an incredibly talented just on, on top of his game as a rebrander athlete, it was kind of peculiar. He did his own thing. Guy showed up in a wedding dress to sign books. He was a whack dude, and I think in a great way. So that's part of it. You're not going to find a lot of athletes that will be willing to do some of the crazy stuff that Dennis did. Maybe close. The plethora of athletes who have made the jump over to pro wrestling contributed to the changing of most sports contracts to prohibit such activity. Bischoff looks at Rodman in this instance as a reason that ended up happening but not the primary reason since the worm didn't 
end up getting hurt. Quote, I think even more reason why you won't see it again today and it becomes harder to imagine is because I think, not because of what Dennis did, but if you look back to the mid-90s, even before WWE, Lawrence Taylor and other people, NFL players, I think once the NFL and the NBA and other leagues started seeing talent from other leagues and other sports, as well as their own, getting into the ring and doing these physical things, knowing they're doing them during their offseason, which according to the contract at the time, was legal. Nothing that prohibited them from doing it at that time. And they all went, nuh-uh. We got 80 million wrapped up in this dude over the next five years, and he's out there getting bounced around like a ping-pong ball. No, we're not going to let that happen anymore. I think a lot of contracts now make it so difficult. Look at Ben Roethlisberger several years ago riding a motorcycle off-season. Almost killed him. It certainly had an impact on his season. I think those types of things have now gotten owners and leagues to go, all right, from now on, no hang gliding, no shooting yourself over the Snake River Canyon in a rocket ship, no wrestling. And of course, if you want to see the rest of the uh, interview with Eric Bischoff, of course, at the top of the page, uh, you can also check him out with Conrad Thompson on his 83 Weeks podcast each Monday on Westwood One. So Dennis Rodman was the single-handed single reason why they don't do this shit no more. But it really is cool to see that um, that Dennis Rodman was pretty much willing to do it for the most part, and I, I, I say that's pretty fucking solid. Uh, and, and and trust me, to me it is um, just to see Dennis Rodman and you know. Um, Hollywood Hogan go up against Carl Malone and uh, Diamond Dallas Page and how they did it over um, and how they did it, you know, with game six, you know, during the NBA finals, they got that little tension uh, situation, which you can still find to this day. Um, it's cool. I fucks with it. Um, nothing wrong with it, me personally. So it's really cool to see that insight um, from uh, Eric Bischoff, to, you know, just taking us behind the scenes and seeing how everything was and with Harvey Schiller maintaining that relationship between the NBA and uh, uh, TNT and uh, Marshall Turner Sports. And, you know, it, it, it turned out to be a great thing because, of course, we got a dope match, uh, dope tag team match that was on a cool, I forget which pay-per-view it was. Uh, I think it was, ba- I think it was Bash at the Beach, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I know we'll never see that again. We will never see a um, anything like that. Seriously. I see nothing wrong with it. I see nothing wrong with, you know, them doing it at that time. But if you try to do that now, um, definitely NFL, NBA, NH, any person like that, yeah, they're, that's their investment. They're putting invest. They're putting money into these cats. Um, so I'm not surprised that you know we're they're going to be doing that. I mean, I mean, I would love to see you know like a LeBron James um, doing that, but unfortunately, with so much money being tied into these players. Don't expect anybody, anyone coming up anytime soon. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode 225 of the YLP podcast, talking about the news of the weekend. When we come back, of course, we're going to end the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 226 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
That's going to be it for episode 225 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to give you guys so much taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, opinions, comments, or if you just want to shoot the shit with your boy, sound off. Let your voice be heard with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective and anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addict Radio. If you're over on the Wrestle Addict Radio side, do please, please, please leave YLP in the title as well so I know you're talking to me. And if I like what you're bringing to the table, if I like what I'm hearing, I'll have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the YLP Podcast. And of course, if you are on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, first and foremost, thank you. And make sure you leave a comment there and I'll check it out and we'll be able to talk about something on a future episode as well. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend and tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, on your Gab, LinkedIn profile, Tinder, freaking what, uh, your Facebook Messenger, leave me a text message if you have to, of course. And even Marley says so too. And if you want to leave one for Marley, do not hesitate as well because Marley likes getting all of the loves in the world, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> She's a silly girl and she likes having attention just as much as I do. But, of course, in these unprecedented times, we here at Russell Added Radio are for you. We are here to give you the solace that you need, to give you a little bit of a laugh and make you think about some things besides everything that's going on right now with the world. Yes, and yes, Marley is involved too because she likes to just talk about things as well. But don't worry, think. Yeah. And in these unprecedented times, we here at the YLP Podcast, the Kings and the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and the Light Show with Man Chappelle are not only the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast, but we are absolutely the alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay now i know most of y'all do not have the anchor app and that's perfectly fine i know most of you guys listen to the podcast that we bring to the table on other different platforms and that's perfectly fine you're not hurting my feelings whatsoever but if you're not listening to our podcast over on the anchor app and think we are just a one-trick pony then my friend you are sadly mistaken I promise you, you are sadly mistaken. A, you lose already. And because you can find the YLP Podcast, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and the Delight Show with Mansur Pell across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Podbean, shout out to the Podbean squad out there as always, CastBox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fan. Search for the Wild Pete Podcast, the Kings and the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and the Light Show with Man Chappelle across all these different platforms. And you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, you can follow me over on my social media. And we'll start with the Twitter. You can follow me there at Suede Senator 
Vor, that's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital A, capital R, I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite, which I will be doing this Wednesday night, of course. SmackDown Live, which I usually do on Fridays, but I will not be doing it this Friday because I am preparing to leave for Denver that this coming Saturday for my uh, nice little for a nice little nine day vacation. Well, seven in Denver, two back here in the home state of New Jersey. Um, every WWE live pay per view, and I will be live tweeting for Extreme Rules on July nineteenth, the day after my two year anniversary, and I'm quite excited about that. We'll be discussing that. When I come back from vacation, we'll figure all that out as we go. You know, nothing wrong with that. Every AEW live pay-per-view, and there is no live pay-per-view for uh, the month of July. So we'll be pretty much talking about doing uh, live tweeting for Fighter Fest on Dynamite, as per usual. Every NXT and NXT UK takeover. We don't know when we'll be getting the next takeover for NXT. Uh, but when we do, uh, we'll be able to uh, live tweet. I'll be live tweeting for that for sure without hesitation. And whenever we get the actual date again for NXT UK TakeOver Dublin, I'll make sure to be doing that as well because I'm quite excited the fact that NXT UK is still on the books for WWE. And uh, that makes my day and all good things across the board. And of course... Since New Japan is back into the swing of things, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well when it's 3.30 in the morning. I go, I've come back from the bathroom and I can't go back to sleep. So why not do a little enjoyment with New Japan Pro Wrestling as well? If you want to follow me over on my Instagram, the mothership, the mother, the hub, everything that is YLP, I can be followed over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Mm-mm. Memes, in case you missed it, updates on shows, breaking news, whenever whenever I feel it's fit to actually put on there. And thank you to all my followers over there, getting me over to 1,000 followers. Feels pretty good. Let's, be, let's try to get that over to 2,000. Tell your friends about it, and we'll have fun time over there. Stories, all that good stuff, because I love doing it as much as, you know, you guys enjoy the content. Much appreciated, as always. Mm-hmm. You already know what I'm talking about. And, of course, over on my Facebook, I can be followed over there. Just search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Give the page a like. Give it a follow. Share it with all your friends. Follow me on all these platforms. Stay updated with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Looking over to the judges to ensure I filled out all my obligations for today throughout the show. And I'm getting a thumbs up. So, episode 226, of course, will be another installment of last week this week where i'll be discussing last week's episode of nxt and get you primed and ready for the great american bash that will be going down this coming wednesday night and it is a nice card that they're bringing to the table for us on wednesday we'll discuss what led up to the great american bash for that for last week going into this week should be a fun time i can't wait to watch the episode tomorrow during the day, throughout my work day, because that's how I usually do it, keeps my mind fresh on all the good things, and we should have a fun time with that without a doubt. So with that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your Monday night. If you're watching Monday Night Raw, my condolences to your sanity as always. Hopefully it's a much better show than you think it's going to be, and if it's not, I will laugh along with you. and Maybe we'll have a cry. I'll be the shoulder to lean on because all that good stuff. Guys, tomorrow is the last episode before the sabbatical. 
and I'm damn sure going to make it a good one again. Enjoy the rest of your Monday night. I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow night for episode 226 of the YLP Podcast. See you! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.